Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown presented by Mass Live. It's been a very, very good week for the Red Sox, and here to talk about it all, it's me, your host, Chris Cotillo, and also Matt Votor, my colleague at Mass Live. Um, you know, Matt, I know the uh, the Celtics are the big story in town, but uh, the Red Sox are obviously hot. They won six out of seven games on the homestand. As I wrote yesterday, it was quite the memorable stretch for them. Um, you know, from someone who covers all four teams, is this team relevant again? I think the Celtics being good kind of provided the, the Celtics and the obviously the Bruins in the playoffs provided the Red Sox with some nice cover early on because there were the people's focus was elsewhere. And so I, I think when now if as the Red Sox, if, if this is a real, you know, kickstart and not and not just a uh, a nice forgotten weekend, I think it, it, it's that when people start to pay closer attention to the Red Sox and start, you know, looking at this, it's baseball weather outside that the Red Sox will be in, in, in better shape for it. So, yeah, I, I do think, I do think the Red Sox are always relevant and they're about to become more relevant in a, in a better place than they were before. And, I, and as I wrote yesterday in my column, you know, it felt like early part of the season offense wasn't swinging the bat. Well, bullpen was blowing some games. It was kind of the same script day in and day out and the weather wasn't great. Um, that just seemed like a lot of sleepy days, you know, a lot of days where post game, it was like, should I just write the same story that I've done, you know, a million times previously. And this week, you know, it's been completely different every day, you know, kind of brought out, you know, I, I think iconic is a little bit too strong of a word, but a signature win or, you know, a, a, a very memorable one. Even the losses I wrote in the column was a pretty memorable day. So just going through the games of the homestand, you know, the first one rain delay, uh, Trevor story hits his first Red Sox homer. Xander Bogarts with chance of re-sign Xander hits a clutch homer there. Uh, you know, the loss was of all the historically giving up five homers. Then you have, you know, Pavetta's perfect. Uh, I always want to say perfect game, complete game, two hit complete game against Houston. Then the Seattle series, you have stories, three home runs in the opener. You have the grand slam caught by Johnny Gomes on Friday night. On Saturday, they come back from a 5-0 deficit to win. And on Sunday, obviously, that performance with, you know, Franchi Cordero launching a, a walk-off grand slam and, um, you know, pretty unlikely candidate to do that. But, you know, Fenway was going nuts, um, though it was pretty hot and muggy. I just think, you know, every day was like a, wow, this is a really, you know, big moment for this team. This is a real, um, you know, big moment to captivate the fans. And that's my takeaway. And I think that's the real takeaway here is, they are entertaining again. They're captivating again. And uh, that's something that just wasn't there for most of the season so far. Yeah, I, I think it, especially when you, when you look at Pavetta pitching the way that he did 
that felt like a baseball game in, yeah. in the way that people like baseball games. It, 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 you starting pitcher, you want to be an attraction, a guy, a guy that uh, you get excited about. And then you think about walk-offs. The, the, to, so to kind of have Pavetta early in that series, and then to ha- come back and have to have uh, Franchi hit the, get the the walk-off in, in the at the end of it, and have Story kind of find himself in the middle. That's a pretty complete list of things you boxes you'd have wanted to check off for the for the red sox as you know from a from a fan standpoint things that you wanted to see and and to get all of those one series against the mariners team that's pretty good um i I think uh, yeah i think you're right i I think that's that's kind of it's funny because over 162 game season in baseball you can look at a a lot of numbers but there definitely are mood swings for a team and and then and so to get to, to get something that sparks a good one can, can go a long way, especially about to go on the road. Yep, for sure. You know, I think going back to what you said about the Mariners, I, I thought they were a good team heading in. I'm not so sure now. <laughs> but to me, the more impressive part of it is you know, the Astros are really hot heading in. You know, they had um, gone on, on a big streak right before that. And to take two out of three from them, I think, is, you know, even the more impressive part. But like I said, six and one on the homestand and, and, for them, they're right back home on Friday. It's only a three-game road trip, so they'll have a chance to, to really pile up some wins with the Orioles and Reds coming into town. Um, you know, I know that different people have had different hot takes about Trevor Story in the first couple of months of the season, the first six weeks. Some people have written him off as a bad deal already. I wasn't ready to do that. I kept saying on Twitter, I'll judge the deal after six years. You know, there was comparisons, whether it be, you know, Carl Crawford or Pablo Sandoval or some of these guys that have come through from other teams in smaller markets and not Ben Fitz. And to me, I mean, it just was was very premature. And, and you know, I obviously don't think that he is going to be the guy who we've seen in the last week, you know, hit 365 with five homers and, um, you know, be get basically a threat to go yard every single time. But I do think, you know, it, there is an adjustment period for a guy like that that people don't talk about, you know, the off the field stuff. You know, I said this before, I think on here, but for Trevor story, he's learning a new team, a new city, how to be a father, how to play a new position in second base and also how to hit lead off for part of it. I know that's not the case anymore. I mean, there was a lot of things that he's never done before in his life that were all thrown at him, you know, during that time, the condensed spring training, going home for the birth of his child, you know, going back and forth, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, there's no excuses for a guy making $23 million a year and expected to perform, but, uh, and he didn't make any, but I'll, I'll be willing to make them. And now we're seeing, you know, that now that he's comfortable, he's sliding into where he needs to in the lineup. And, um, I think as the Red Sox, as Trevor story goes, the Red Sox lineup goes right now. Yeah. It's, I, when you look at a guy, especially you should, when you're, when you're switching leagues and things that it can it can really, it can be a, a pretty significant adjustment for, for a guy just to, and, 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 and as you said, the, the added things that he faced here more than, more than, than other people, it's, it certainly becomes a, it, something in, in his case that you wonder how much is in his head versus how much is in his swing. And to, to look at anybody before, you know, before Memorial Day and, and take, take anything. Out of a season, you, you you've seen lots of guys, and and I think I think it probably had to be weighing on him a little bit too that that he that people that he's he's kind of being associated with this Xander Bogarts question, and I think yep. and 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 I think that that's gotta that's gotta stick with with somebody too because he's in some ways fans are are looking at him and thinking all right well the Red Sox are planning to move on from Bogarts 
and he and he's the potential repla- uh, replacement. And if he's struggling, that that they're going to be more angry about it than they, than they would be if he was the guy playing, you know, replacing Hunter Renfro or something out there. It, it, it's a different set of pre- it's a different set of pressures. I think you know, to me, covering story, and it's not you know, I'm not going to pretend to know him super well through you know just a f- two weeks of spring training and six weeks of the season or whatever. But you know, the takeaway of his personality is very very measured i think you know a, a good comp is you know nathan avaldi's a guy who you know heart rate always seems to be you know slow and very calm and you know his, his demeanor doesn't change based on things a very hard worker works out all the time you know with story it's not like he's necessarily you know dull it just he, he doesn't have a big personality um and i think he's just focused on the craft and really like you know obsessed with his process and really just kind of that you know, slow and steady presence. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen guys like that, you know, I think, you know, JD Martinez is kind of an example too, though. He, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll say some interesting things on the record, but um, guys like that sometimes fit here. I mean, he's able to block out the noise. He's able to appreciate kind of the moment. You know, we saw that over the weekend when Johnny Gomes caught his grand slam and he thought that was really cool and got the ball and all that type of stuff. But at the same time, you know, not, you know, getting too high at times and not getting too low at times. And um, I do think the personality is a fit. You know, I, I don't think he's going to be that, that loud, you know, cowboy up Kevin Millar type leader in there, but I do think that <laughs> who is you know, right. You know, the work ethic kind of speaks for itself. He's already ha- gotten the respect of those in the clubhouse. And, you know, we've seen it not just on the offensive side of the ball, but at second base, he's been really, really good too. And, and we see, we've seen, you know, not just the fantastic plays, but the routine plays and the double plays are coming together and all that type of stuff. So, uh, so far, you know, I think so good. Yeah, he's hitting 226. Uh, it's not obviously where they wanted it, but it's uh, he's he's definitely shown the safe, he's shown signs of life in the last week. Would be really understating it, I think. Most of the time at second base, you almost forget that that it's a new position for him. Most of the time, you're watching him. It, 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 he's his footwork looks pretty solid, and and his his comfort level. He he doesn't look like he's thinking it. Like some of them, and it, you look to Bobby Dahlbeck a lot of times at, at first base, and he still sometimes looks like he's thinking it. Right, and, and not in natural spot, obviously. Right, and and so and for Story, a guy that that was you know he's, he's now kind of playing his the the photo negative of what he was of what he was doing before. It looks pretty. It, he looks comfortable in that that uh, and and that's so so important when because so many things so many things go through the pivot up the middle for on both of those positions, and and if one of them isn't right. It feels like things are things are coming unglued. And I'll you know cite a uh, I always say future friend of the program Red Sox stats because I'd love to have whoever this is on because you know no one knows who it is and to have kind of the uh, you know the disguised voice and on all that type of stuff would be a really great podcast. But Red Sox stats just tweeted out Red Sox story has figured out playing second base in May. He's the leader among second basemen and outs above average at plus three runs prevented at plus three and success rate at 92%. So uh, the passes the eye test and, you know, defensively passes the metrics test now as well. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense and it certainly, and it allows them to, it allows you to be able to say, okay, you can bring back Bogarts and have he and story be a double play combination for, for potentially a long time. Right. It's it. There's, there's certainly some, certainly logic there. A lot of, it seems like you see guys go at, at this point in their career, more from shortstop to third more often. And for him to do it, to go from shortstop to second as effectively as he did, really, kind of says something about uh, both his athleticism and his ability to mentally process and think the game. Yeah. And Kike Hernandez, who had done it in the 
early parts of his career in the minor leagues said it's all about the whole thing is about you know it's like you're you're playing in front of a mirror you know you're going to the other side than you've been going for your whole career and that obviously is going to take time i do want to talk about you know it can't be all positive it was um yesterday there's no franchi cordero walk-off if there is no bullpen meltdown and for you know I, i think the sixth or seventh time in the ninth inning the red sox had a blown save Hansel Robles gets the Mariners down to their last out. Eugenio Suarez launches one over the monster. Jake Diekman, you know, I, I can't ever fault a guy for giving up an unearned run with the ghost runner and extra innings. I really just, I mean, right. it's I, I can't look at that as a meltdown. But with Robles, you know, that's legit. You have, you know, bases empty, two outs. You know, you got to find a way not to allow a homer there. And, and and Robles is a guy that, you know, he's had a good year ERA-wise, but, you know, there you don't really feel like you can fully trust him in those spots. So, uh, you know, I know we were talking about this a little bit before we started rolling, but where is the trust factor with this bullpen right now? You know, it's like the 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 numbers are almost deceiving, right, when you look at them, because I think the bullpen ERA for the series against the Mariners, I think, was like 1.3. You know, and they had their good moments, but still, like, you, there's the blown game in there yesterday. And you look at just up and down some of the numbers for these guys and, and the ERAs, which I know it's, it's some might say it's an outdated stat and you got to look at some other metrics, but the ERAs for a lot of these relievers are definitely better than what the eye test would tell you. I mean, you look at Jake Diekman now, 235, Robles, 265. Uh, Austin Davis has actually been pretty good. He's a one nine six Matt Strom 1.88. Now I think that's pretty indicative because he's been lights out. Um, and you know, Sawamura three, six, five, that's, that's even lower than you'd expect. It's just to me, you know, you're still having to piece it together on a nightly basis. We saw Matt Barnes get a save in a one run game the other night. You know, that is definitely playing with fire to put it lightly. And, and, you know, with Robles, with Diekman, these guys, you know, they're trying to find their roles, but to me, I still stick by just putting Matt Strom in the closer's role and putting it and letting everything else fall in place around him. Um, as good as the week was, it's still hard to shake that feeling that it's an incomplete roster and that at the end of games, you're just holding on to the edge of your seat because anything could happen. Well, I think some of the reason that the bullpen numbers are eye test this evening is you forget that Jake Diekman pitched a scoreless inning on one night because uh Sawamura blew you know blew a blew uh, a lead spectacularly an inning later yeah. they, whatever he did in the seventh doesn't matter a whole lot if somebody if somebody blows right. up in the eighth and and I think each guy has had has had multiple turns being the guy that it's blown up loudly for and so even if it's inherited runners that are scoring it's still a job that they're not that you're asking them to do that they're they're not fulfilling even if that doesn't show up in the in the ERA and so I think you're right at this point. Strom has been good. And so maybe you wonder sometimes these guys, all the math says, all right, yes, have a, have a bullpen where you don't have defined inning roles, but sometimes, sometimes mentally those guys are, those guys are better if they know, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch in this inning and, and that, in that situation, Red Sox have bounced around a little bit with that. And, and I think it's important to get to have some of those guys get into some level of comfort level and some level of rhythm because it doesn't it doesn't look like they're doing that the question is do they have enough guys to do that or, or is it is it are they are they faking it all the way through you really hope a guy like Schreiber 
who has been yep. has been an, a nice addition so far, can slot in. I mean, you look at what Ryan Brazier was a couple of years ago. He came in and, and really solidified things. Or, and, you know, in 2019, Brandon Workman emerging out yeah. of, you know, almost not making the team to being the, the, basically like an all-star level closer. I mean, you, you need to hit on a couple of those guys, and I think they think they have one in Schreiber for sure. And you wonder, and you so you wonder if, if Winkowski is a guy that, that might fill that down in um, in in Worcester right now. So there's there's options, and yep. and Caleb Ort's been decent for them. Um, Durbin Feldman was a guy; he has not done it yet, but but he has a guy that had at one point people thought had major league stuff, and you mm-hmm. know he, Zach so, Kelly's another guy in Worcester. Yeah, yeah, great call, Zach Kelly. And so um, I, I think the question is how quickly can they figure it out? Because you, you can't be, you, you can't be losing the games that they're losing right now or, and with, without having starting to get some stability because the, the season is long, but it is, it is moving along now. Right. And Alex Cora said time and time again, he wants that structure. He wants a set closer. He wants a set setup, man. Last year it was, you know, early on, it was Ottavino in the eighth Barnes in the ninth, you know, pretty, pretty simple the year before. You know, in 2020, Cora wasn't here, but Workman was the guy until he got traded. So they're trying not to do the thing they did early in 2019, where Barnes is the the rover and the high leverage reliever, and they're trying to just, you know, get that structure. So far, haven't been able to do it. Let's look ahead to to wrap up at the next week for the Red Sox. Uh, they have a series against the White Sox. The last time they saw the White Sox, at Fenway Park, it obviously did not go very well as they were swept. Uh, they'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Nick Pavetta against Dylan Cease in the opener. Rich Hill against Lucas Giolito in the Wednesday night game. And then Michael Walker against TBD on Thursday night. Uh, to me, as I look at those three games, obviously a couple of tough pitching matchups in Cease and Giolito are both off to good starts this year. But with the way the Red Sox are hitting right now, you know, it, it, sometimes if, if you're really in a, on a roll, it doesn't matter who you're facing. It, on Sunday, they hit Logan Gilbert, who – you know, as people don't really know about him, but he's, you know, very, very good for Seattle. And, um, you know, they were able to get to him enough. So I don't know. I, I don't think that I look at those names and they're, they're very scary considering how well the Red Sox are hitting. I think the good part of this for the Red Sox is for a team that just went six and one at home, they will be back at home on Friday. And as I said, facing the Orioles for five games in a five game series and a doubleheader, and then facing the Reds for two games, that gives you a chance to really rack up some more wins and, and, uh, kind of carry this momentum i mean i think fenway and i don't think any of the seven games were sellouts over the last week um the crowds were really good you know there was some weird weather with the rain and then the humidity yesterday i think you know when they come back next weekend they you know maybe when the team's playing a little bit better i think that uh you know you might see the ballpark get a little bit more full i wonder when you, when you look at the matchups going into that white Sox series i like nick pavetta going up against a good opponent I think I think the way he's wired, I, I think there's something to that. And now that he's he's pitched better lately, and and you tell me, what, have you seen something in him that has that feels like it has changed or sparked that, that has gotten him from back to being the pitcher he was last year, as opposed to the pitcher he was in April? I mean, I just think that he's a guy that some days you're gonna get like no hit stuff, and some days he's not gonna get out of the second or third inning. I think that's just who he is. You know, the Red Sox are just trying to get him to a point where it's more of the last three outings than it was the previous outings. And I think the fastball command has been better mixing and matching the secondary pitches. I mean, the stuff is always there with them. The competitiveness is always there. Some days he just comes out and doesn't have it. And you see that early and he gets hit around. I mean, um, he has more blow up starts than you'd like for your number two starter. But he also, like I said, when he's on, 
he's really on. There's really nothing in the middle. Against the White Sox last year in Chicago, he came off the COVID IL in September and pitched a gem. Um, so, you know, he's, he has recent success in that ballpark against that lineup for sure. I'm curious to see how that rotation as a whole plays itself out when guys are when guys are healthy. If, mm-hmm. if Sale comes back and he's a guy that can give you five minutes, if if Paxton is a guy that you can you can use, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see just how with, with him, given the the extent of it, how you know is he going to get? Are they going to get to a point where he can go five innings and you're you're following him with Tanner Houck or something every time? But but which of these guys that are starters now can be, could, could help fix the bullpen and which of these guys you're, you're looking at staying in the, in the rotation based on, on, on where they found their, the most rhythm. And uh, we always talk about the Whitlock question. I think if Salem packs in our part of the mix that that moves Whitlock back to the bullpen, at least for the rest of this year, because we've seen, you know, Whitlock in the rotation has, has been a little bit bumpy. His last outing 10 hits was not a good one. He was the first to admit that uh, in a very hoarse voice, which was quite the scene post game. But, um, you know, I think that the Red Sox are are starting to realize maybe that he is, you know, a relief candidate um, just at least for the rest of the year, because it hasn't been as smooth sailing as they'd want for him in the rotation. We'll end with this. There is uh, an interesting uh, news subplot that's going to be unfolding next week for the Red Sox, I believe. Uh, I wrote last week that there are 114 guys who have made their major league debuts this year. None of them have been for the Red Sox. I think barring a surprise that it's going to change on Saturday, the Red Sox have a doubleheader against the Baltimore Orioles, a scheduled doubleheader as part of the makeup games when, you know, the, the lockout screwed with the schedule a little bit. And so now they're, they're making up a certain series against the Orioles through three separate games. Kind of weird. Anyway, on Saturday, it looks like the Red Sox are going to be calling up Josh Winkowski from Worcester to make one of those starts. That is not official, but Alex Cora told us to read the tea leaves. I dug into the tea leaves. He pitched yesterday, pitched well for Worcester. Um, Matt, I know you've been a few times. And sure, yeah. What, what, have you, um, what do you know about Josh Winkowski and what's the Red Sox fans be expecting? I mean, he, he's, he's a guy that when he's on, he's, he's, he's struck out a fair amount of guys. He, he's, got, he, he's, got some, uh, he's got a nice rhythm when, he, when, when he's working. I'd be surprised based on just the way he's outwardly carried himself in Worcester. I'd be surprised if he's intimidated in the moment. Um, I would imagine he'll probably be fired up in the moment, but, but, uh, but I I think that uh, I'll I'll be curious to see um, second and third time through the, you know, second time through the order. I I think, uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised that if his stuff plays, one and two times through the order the first time as, as teams don't have a uh, have a book for him. I, I, I could see him being a guy that uh, that is effective and, and and somebody the Red Sox might look at as being in a similar role to Schreiber at mm-hmm. one point. They they um I thought they might call him up sooner because he had a two inning start a few weeks back yep. and it was it was scheduled for that. I, I think with the thought in mind being that that might be the length of time that they they would use him in, in Boston. So I, I could see him making the most of this as an audition. Yeah. And, you know, I think a big part of that for him getting the audition is that Connor Seabold's hurt with that pectoral strain at Worcester. So, you know, we know that Seabold other than one blow up has been really, really good to start the year, but um, something to look forward to for people who love prospects, people who love, you know, major league debuts. I think that's going to happen on Saturday. 
And, um, you know, the, the writing's on the wall there. If Josh Winkowski pitches a gem, Franchi Cordero hits another home run, then I think the Red Sox can officially be declared the winners of that Andrew Benintendi trade, as I <laughs> obviously say in jest. So that's Matt Votor. I'm Chris Cattell. Appreciate everyone, as always, reading our coverage on Mass Live. I'll be in Chicago for the rest of the week, and then Chris Smith and I will be covering the games at Fenway. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, your next Fenway Rundown.